Chapter Twenty of the King of Elfland's Daughter by Lord Dunsany. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty: A Historical Fact. Amongst the weary hounds, refreshed with fury and triumph, Orion stepped with his whip and drove them away from the monstrous dead body, and sent the lash quivering round in a wide circle. While in his other hand he took his sword and cut off the unicorn's head. He also took the skin of the long white neck and brought it away, dangling, empty from the head. All the while the hounds bayed and made eager rushes one by one at that magical carcass whenever one saw a chance of eluding the whip, so that it was long before Orion got his trophy, for he had to work as hard with his whip as with his sword. But at last he had it slung by the leather thong over his shoulders, the great horn pointing upwards past the right side of his head, and the smeared skin hanging down along his back. And while he arranged it thus, he allowed his hounds to worry the body again and taste that wonderful blood. Then he called to them and blew a note on his horn and turned slowly home towards Earl, and they all followed behind him and the two foxes stole up to taste the curious blood for they had sat and waited for this while the unicorn was climbing his last hill orion felt such fatigue that he could have gone little further but now that the heavy head hung from his shoulders all his fatigue was gone and he trod with a lightness such as he had in the mornings for it was his first unicorn and his hounds seemed refreshed, as though the blood they had lapped had some strange power in it, and they came home riotously, gambling and rushing ahead as when newly loosed from their kennels. Thus Orion came home over the downs in the night, till he saw the valley before him, full of the smoke of Earl, where one late light was burning in a window of one of his towers and coming down the slopes by familiar ways he brought his hounds to their kennels and just before dawn had touched the heights of the downs he blew his horn before his postern door and the aged guardian of the door when he opened it to orion saw the great horn of the unicorn bobbing over his head this was the horn that was sent in later years as a gift from the pope to king francis benvenuto cellini tells of it in his memoirs he tells how pope clement sent for him and a certain tobiah and ordered them to make designs for the setting of a unicorn's horn the finest ever seen judge then of orion's delight when the horn of the first unicorn he ever took was such as to be esteemed generations later the finest ever seen and in no less a city than rome with all her opportunities to acquire and compare such things for a number of these curious horns must have been available for the pope to have selected for the gift the finest ever seen but in the simpler days of my story the rarity of the horn was so great that unicorns were still considered fabulous the year of the gift to king francis would be about fifteen thirty the horn being mounted in gold and the contract went to tobiah and not to benvenuto cellini i mention the date because there are those who care little for a tale if it be not here and there supported by history and who even in history care more for fact than philosophy if any such reader have followed the fortunes of orion so far he will be hungry by now for a date or a historical fact 
as for the date i give him fifteen thirty while for the historical fact i select the generous gift recorded by benvenuto cellini because it may well be that just where he came to unicorns such a reader may have felt furthest away from history and have felt loneliest just at this point for want of historical things how the unicorn's horn found its way from the castle of earl and in what hands it wandered and how it came at last to the city of rome would of course make another book but all that i need say now about that horn is that orion took the whole head to threll who took off the skin and washed it and boiled the skull for hours and replaced the skin and stuffed the neck with straw and orion set it in the midmost place among all the heads that hung in the high hall and the rumour went all through earl as swift as unicorns gallop telling of this fine horn that orion had won so that the parliament of earl met again in the forge of narl they sat at the table there debating the rumour and others besides threll had seen the head and at first for the sake of old divisions some held to their opinions that there had been no unicorn they drank narl's goodly mead and argued against the monster but after a while whether threll's argument convinced them or whether as is more likely they yielded from generosity which arose like a beautiful flower out of the mellow mead whatever it was the debate of those that opposed the unicorn languished and when the vote was put it was declared that orion had killed a unicorn which he had hunted hither from beyond the fields we know and at this they all rejoiced for they saw at last the magic for which they had longed and for which they had planned so many years ago when all were younger and had had more hope in their plans and as soon as the vote was taken narl brought out more mead and they drank again to mark the happy occasion for magic at last said they had come on orion and a glorious future surely awaited earl and the long room and the candles and the friendly men and the deep comfort of mead made it easy to look a little way forward into time and to see a year or so that had not yet come and to see coming glories glowing a little way off and they told again of the days but nearer now when the distant lands should hear of the vale they loved they told again of the fame of the fields of earl going from city to city one praised its castle another its huge high downs another the vale itself all hidden from every land another the dear quaint houses built by an olden folk another the deep of the woods that lay over the skyline and all spoke of the time when the wide world should hear of it all because of the magic that there was in orion for they knew that the world had a quick ear for magic and always turned toward the wonderful even though it be nearly asleep their voices were high praising magic telling again of the unicorn glorifying in the future of earl when suddenly in the doorway stood the friar he was there in his long white robe with its trimming of mauve in the door with the night behind him as they looked in the light of their candles they could see he was wearing an emblem on a chain of gold round his neck narl bade him welcome some moved a chair to the table but he had heard them speak of the unicorn he lifted his voice from where he stood and addressed them cursed be unicorns he said and all their ways and all things that be magic 
in the awe that suddenly changed the mellow room one cried master curse not us good friar said Narl, we hunted no unicorn but the friar raised up his hand against unicorns and cursed them yet cursed be their horn he cried and the place where they dwell and the lilies whereon they feed cursed be all songs that tell of them cursed be they utterly with everything that dwelleth beyond salvation he paused to allow them to renounce the unicorns standing still in the doorway looking sternly into the room and they thought of the sleekness of the unicorn's hide his swiftness the grace of his neck and his dim beauty cantering by when he came past earl in the evening they thought of his stalwart and redoubtable horn they remembered old songs that told of him they sat in uneasy silence and would not renounce the unicorn and the friar knew what they thought and he raised his hand again clear in the candlelight with the night behind him cursed be their speed he said and their sleek white hide cursed be their beauty and all that they have of magic and everything that walks by enchanted streams and still he saw in their eyes a lingering love for those things that he forbade and therefore he ceased not yet he lifted his voice yet louder and continued with his eyes sternly upon those troubled faces and cursed be trolls elves goblins and fairies upon the earth and hippogriffs and pegasus in the air and all the tribes of the merfolk under the sea our holy rites forbid them and cursed be all doubts all singular dreams all fancies and from magic may all true folk be turned away amen he turned round suddenly and was into the night a wind loitered about the door then flapped it too and the large room in the forge of Narl was as it had been but a few moments before yet the mellow mood of it seemed dulled and dim and then Narl spoke rising up at the table's end and breaking the gloom of the silence did we plan our plans he said so long ago and put our faith in magic that we should renounce now magical things and curse our neighbors the harmless folk beyond the fields we know and the beautiful things of the air and dead mariners lovers dwelling beneath the sea no no said some and they quaffed their mead again and then one rose with his horn of mead held high then another and then another till all were standing upright all round the light of the candles magic one cried and the rest with one accord took up his cry till all were shouting magic the friar on his homeward way heard that cry of magic he gathered his sacred robe more closely around him and clutched his holy things and set a spell that kept him from sudden demons and the doubtful things of the mist End of chapter twenty a historical fact